This is Hospitality Brutality, a dose of wellness and inspiration for those of you in this brutal service industry. I'm your host, Daniela Chavez. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Hospitality Brutality. I am so excited for today's guest. He is the man behind the amazing and wildly inspirational podcast, Restaurant Unstoppable, in which he interviews chefs, restaurant owners, and great industry leaders. His mission is to inspire, empower, and transform restaurant owners and operators around the world. Eric Cacciatore's podcast is so fascinating to me because really, you don't see too many resources out there for restaurateurs, especially not inspiring resources. In this interview, Eric talks about the secrets he's learned after picking the minds of some of the most successful restaurateurs in the country, including balancing side hustles, the parallels of piloting and restaurant operating, and the importance of investing in yourself first. So without further ado, guys, please welcome Eric Cacciatore to the podcast. Eric Cacciatore, am I pronouncing that correctly? You are. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me. Um, clearly, Of course, you have a it's a really amazing podcast for aspiring restaurateurs at Restaurant Unstoppable. Um, pretty incredible. Would you be able to give us Thank a little you. bit of a backstory and how did you kind of get started in this? Of course. I'll try to give you the, the fast forward version. Uh, backstory, I grew up in the restaurant industry. My parents opened a restaurant when I was three years old. They had it until I was 13 years old. Got a lot of, a lot of inside perspective of what it's like to be a part of a family that owns a restaurant. Uh, they sold the rest or they, they went to relocate the restaurant. The deal fell through when I was 13. Uh, but I continued to work in restaurants throughout high school and college, uh, became a commercial pilot, resigned from aviation when I was 26, went back to school for marketing and hospitality because basically, um, I found myself when I was flying, uh, looking forward to my part-time job, which was working in a restaurant. And I thought that was maybe a sign, uh, you know, working, two jobs and looking forward to your part-time job and despising your full-time job is usually a pretty good hint that you're not on the right track. Uh, so I resigned from aviation, went back to school for marketing and hospitality, like I said, and it was in my classes, one of my first classes, uh, one of my first marketing or sales classes that a professor, the first day of class walked in and asked the class, uh, who listens to podcasts? And this is going back to like 2013, not a single person raised their hand. And he, this is a night class I should mention to kind of give you some context. Mm -hmm. He walks out of the classroom, uh, and, and you can see him in like that skinny, like door or window that like university doors have, you know, the one I'm talking about, it's mm -hmm. like a wooden door, with, like a little skinny window, right. with, like the, yeah, the yeah. like the, the wire in between the glass. Yeah. Uh, um, you can see him <laughs> out in that little crack. He looks left. He looks right to make sure there's nobody in earshot. And he yells, you've got, can I curse on this show? Oh, please. <laughs> and he yells, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Uh, he walks back into the classroom. Um, you know, he made his point. And he assigned his first homework assignment, which was basically uh, go home and find three podcasts to listen to, uh, search three different you know categories, uh, and then come back and tell us about what you learned uh, or the podcast you discovered. So the three things that I discovered that I researched at the time were um, I was really interested in entrepreneurism and uh, in, in marketing. So I searched for entrepreneurism and marketing. And I was also uh, I was a hospitality and marketing major. So I searched hospitality, uh, the restaurant mm -hmm. industry. And as you can imagine, I got tons of res results for my entrepreneurial and marketing searches, but not a single podcast worth listening to maybe like a total of like two or three results, but like nothing that really resonated with me, mm -hmm. um, under the topic of restaurants and hospitality. So that was like my first, uh, 
clue that there was opportunity here, but I wouldn't recognize the opportunity until about a year and a half later. So does that answer your question? That's like the, the fast forward yeah, no, that's, version. That's awesome. Absolutely. So when you recognize that hole in the market, um, how did you go about that? Like, who did you just start interviewing people you knew and, or, you know, like your employers or something? Well, how did little, that work? Yeah. There's a little more to the story to kind of set it up for your listeners. So while I started, when I went back to school, uh, at the same time, I thought maybe I'd get into, for a little more context, actually, I think I should probably backpedal a little more. So um, I went to school, become a commercial pilot, $200,000 in debt. Uh, so I'm in a pretty dark, depressed place at this point in my life, 2013, mm-hmm. 2012, just because I've committed the majority of my life to this this career that just didn't work out for me. Um, $200,000 in debt want to work in the restaurant industry, but feel like I can't work in the restaurant industry because I will never pay off my school in debt working in restaurants. So I thought to myself, if I can't work in restaurants, I want to work with restaurants. And I thought that maybe sales would be the way to go. Everybody always told me I should get into sales because I'm super personable and yada, yada, yada. So I thought Uh maybe wine sales. So I didn't know much about wine. So I decided to uh, volunteer at a local winery, which ended up becoming a part-time job or full-time job as the assistant winemaker. So I was in the cellar eight to 10 hours a day, uh, you know, being an assistant winemaker, which is not a luxurious job. FYI, if you're ever interested, it's a lot of cleaning. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of mess, Uh, but I loved it. Um, I was chewing through hours of content every day, at least like 10 hours of content, if not 20 hours of content, because I would listen at times too. Uh, and I was, like I said, I was listening to a lot of entrepreneurial and marketing podcasts. So after about a year or six months of listening to all these podcasts, I just started learning from all these successful people and started thinking to myself, holy cow, like there's just so many different ways to make money online and the power of sharing knowledge, all these entrepreneurs out there sharing knowledge. Why aren't we doing this for the restaurant industry? Why aren't we, why, why isn't somebody asking these questions? The second largest industry in the world we need to start sharing knowledge. We need to start helping each other out. We need to start being, stop being this cutthroat industry. So I took it upon myself to kind of um, basically recreate what I liked in the podcast I was listening to, but specifically for the restaurant industry. And I think the original question was, how did I get started? Like, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So um, to come full circle, um, I just started locally. Um, I took the the three podcasts I was listening to most often. And I kind of made a little hybrid, made it my own, and I just started knocking on doors locally. Um, it was interesting because I record all my interviews on site now, but then I was recording remotely, which is just kind of funny because I was recording like in my own community. I could have easily gone on site to do these things, but <laughs> um, yeah, so I just started um, three episodes yeah. a week or two episodes a week was pretty aggressive early on. It was tough early on, but just kept showing up. I, I really bel- believe that this, this resource needed to exist. It didn't exist yet. And uh, there was a quote that really kind of triggered. I should really figure out exactly what this quote is because I always reference it, but I, I always, you can give me it. the abridged version. Yeah. It's basically, if you make your life about, if you dedicate your life to helping other people achieve what they want in life, you can achieve anything in life. And like, that's the abbreviated version. And I took that to heart and I made my life. I mean, I figured if I wasn't in the position to open my own restaurant or to work in the restaurant industry the way I want to, then I can help those who are in the position and help them become successful. And through making them successful, create opportunities for myself is kind of the thought process. Wow. That's pretty incredible. You know, I couldn't agree more about there being, 
you know, like almost an invisibility to this industry. And it's such, it's such a, I mean, it takes skill. It takes passion. It takes hard work. It takes blood, sweat, and tears. But like you said, oftentimes it's just kind of in the grand scheme of things, just kind of blown off as being like something you, you do to pay through college or to, you know, to make a little bit of money on the side, but it really takes a lot. And it'd be, I'm, I'm one who is always looking for more resources and more, more things to um, kind of help us through that, that path, that journey. But it's something that, you know, certain industry people, we love it. Like, you know, there's some, it's a, it's a certain breed, I would say. Absolutely. For sure. It takes a special person to be passionate about this industry. I agree. Uh, so you kind of mentioned earlier, um, so I know you're someone who you kind of got into the hospitality industry knowing how difficult it is to make money. Like sometimes, you know, you can definitely make, walk out with a, a pocket full of cash, but, you know, to be in debt and to pay that off, it can be a little difficult for aspiring restaurant tours. So how did you get around that? And what advice do you maybe have for people who are struggling with that same thought? Uh, so the question is, what advice do I have for people who are struggling making money in the industry? Or, I mean, not I'm necessarily. I'm sure I heard that right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I kind of danced around a little. But, um, you know, restaurateurs and people, especially people who you who you interview, you know, restaurateurs and aspiring restaurateurs, um, it, it's a difficult industry to make a decent amount of money in if you don't hit it, if you don't hit it out of the park, if you don't make it right. So I'm wondering, have you learned anything uh, yeah. regarding, regarding, regarding a, struggling with that concept? Yeah. Absolutely. So I think people, um, especially restaurateurs uh, and people in general, when they think about making money, they, they always think about the money coming in, right? How can I get more money coming in? But we pay very little attention, not nearly as much attention as we should to to the money going out. What do our expenses look like? And I think that uh, the, the first step to getting to, to where you can make really great money in the restaurant industry is by getting as lean as possible and eliminating your liabilities as much as possible. So you can start putting money away to start investing in assets. Uh, and you're your own biggest asset in the restaurant industry. So invest in yourself. So the best way to get ahead is, uh, you know, literally just, if, if you're just getting started in this industry, you decide not to go to college or whatever, mm-hmm. don't take on any expenses. Don't take on any liabilities. A liability is anything that costs you money. Uh, and an asset is anything that makes you money. So focus on eliminating liabilities and getting more assets. And you are your own best asset in this industry. So be very intentional about where you work. Don't just take a job for a paycheck. Take a job. Take a job for what is this going to say about my own personal brand? If I align my professional brand with this successful restaurant, uh, then later on down the road, when I have this on my resume. I'm going to be that much more valuable because I've, I've tied my name to something of value, a successful restaurant, right? And then find out exactly what it is that you're good at and then become the best at what you're good at. Uh, and I mean, I, I just full heartedly believe that you should stay in your lane. It's hard as a young professional to find your lane. So be open-minded and listen to what people say to you. Do they, do they compliment your work? Are, are you doing a good job? The other people say they could, they could do it as good as you. These are all hints. Pay attention to the hints. Follow the, the, you know, success leaves a, a, a breadcrumb, a trail, right? Look for the mm-hmm. clues and then lean into your, your strengths. Uh, become a person of value with your network. Become a person of value with your skill set and be patient. I think people want success overnight today. It takes 10 years at least sometimes to 
to get out there, to, to surround yourself with the right people, to, to build that resume, to build that experience, become a person of value. So don't focus on the money. Focus on uh, – well, if, if you are focusing on the money, focus on liabilities, not how much money you're making but how much money you're losing. And then focus on being intentional with the people you're surrounding yourself with and the, and the skills you're picking up. Great. That was that was awesome. Um, next – yeah. So, of course, you've uh, you've done so many interviews now. Is there anybody whose story has inspired you the most or who kind of stands out? That's a question I get asked a lot. Honestly, after 630 interviews, uh, they all are just great. Um, I, there's no one person that really stands out to me. And I know that's a really flat answer, but it's the truth. Like, they're, they're all great. Um, yeah. I, I tend to lean towards a certain type of interview. Um, the ones that really excite me are the ones where people start small and scale over time. And I think that if I was giving advice to anybody, um, it's they, they take that standard approach of starting small uh, and as they grow their network, as they grow their skill set, they, they gradually take on more liabilities instead of just you know, trying to get uh, money after a couple years in the industry, a couple hundred thousand dollars or 500,000 or a million dollars from a rich uncle or aunt. And they don't really know what the hell they're doing, but they have the money. Like I hate those stories. I, I like when people <laughs> bootstrap, start small and scale into it. Um, so those are the ones that usually uh, resonate most with me. And there's a ton of them in the archive. Absolutely. I feel like those are the ones who are going to be more successful too, generally. Yeah. Yep. Um, do you, so is there a common theme that you've noticed among all your 639 interviews? Behind every great restaurant's a great person. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's about relationships. It's about people and your reputation. Uh, so if, if you focus on being a good person and, um, you know, I, I like to think of it as putting the, the energy into yourself, personal growth, instead of putting the energy out into the world, put the energy into yourself, work on yourself, become a better version of yourself every day. And that includes how you treat other people. And if you're a good person uh, that, that cares for the people that are in their life or in your life um, and you work on yourself every day, then opportunities just start to emerge all around. Wow. I like that a lot. It's very inspiring. Thank you. Um, so are you yourself planning to become a restaurateur someday? <laughs> so people ask me this question. Yeah. yeah. Um, did I cut you off? No, I was gonna. I was gonna say the same thing that people must have asked you that a lot as well. So the original vision, and it's still a part of my vision, but the vision has changed over time. Um, was that I? I wasn't in the position to start or own a restaurant when I started the podcast because of my debt. Mm -hmm. um, but I figured, you know, if I could help enough other people open restaurants, then I could, you know, generate a channel of revenue for myself, get myself out of debt, and use my network to open a restaurant. Um, that's still kind of the plan, but I guess you could say I've been scared straight. Uh, <laughs> and it's the truth, you know, uh, and it's not, and I, and I hope that I, I scare a lot of people with my podcast. It was meant originally to be inspirational, uh, motivational, much like what you're doing. And I don't want to, uh, pull that, you know, that the, the wind out of the sails and discourage people, but the, the cold, hard truth is that this industry is hard and you're not mm -hmm. going to get rich. Um, and unless you are absolutely willing to make it your life, at least for the first few years until you can recreate yourself and others, um, it's, it's tough and, and you have to be absolutely willing. And I just don't, I wouldn't want to, I, I wouldn't be able to open a restaurant the way I want to right now or in the near future. Um, so the answer is I don't plan on opening a restaurant anytime soon, but I do see myself, um, 
in the future, when I, after I've grown my channels of revenue and after I've grown my network and surrounded myself with the people that I need to execute, then I would absolutely consider it. And um, until I achieve, you know, those are goals of getting the cash flow I need to open a restaurant and surrounding myself with the people I need, uh, what that I, I, I'm not even going to look at that because, mm-hmm. you know, priorities, you, know, you got to keep the horse out of the cart. So in the future, uh, I, I see myself partnering with people who have what it takes to open a restaurant. I think I've developed a really great eye for what it takes to be successful in this industry, especially identifying people that have what it takes to be okay. successful in the industry. And um, with my knowledge and my network, I think I surround myself with some really great people. So, and the other thing, and I don't know if you want to talk about it is I I'm a full hearted believer in the power of partnerships. Um, and that's kind of one of the biggest, biggest lessons I've learned that, you know, to really be competitive in today's market, you can't do it alone. So until I get that cash flow, until I get the right people in my life, I'm not even going to think about opening a restaurant to be completely frank. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Uh, that's, that's incredible. I think that's really important, actually, that your podcast has, you know, quote unquote, scared people away. But it's really just showing the realities and and uh, wiping off the you know a shiny mask that people might think opening a restaurant might be easy or, you know, glamorous or whatever. So I think that's actually really important and good. Great. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, I am curious to know more about your, uh, you said if you want to talk about the partnership aspect of it. Um, what else do you have? What more light can you shed on that aspect of, uh, of becoming a successful restaurateur or even just person in the hospitality industry? Um, so starting with partnerships, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, I, I really don't think you can do it alone. I mean, you, you can, don't get me wrong. You, you can open a cafe or a small restaurant and be a sole proprietor, uh, and do well, it's possible. Uh, but if you're opening in, in a competitive market, uh, and with the extreme shortage of labor that there is today, um, if you want to attract onto yourself the best people, uh, you need to give them something more than a paycheck today. Uh, it has to be either a great existence or great, you, you, your, your business has to exist for a really great purpose. So in other words, mm-hmm. you need to have a great mission and a great vision. Uh, and, or you have to add some type of value beyond uh, the kind of woo woo mission, vision, core values and let give people opportunity to have skin in the game. Um, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I recommend going through the come up process and working in the industry for the greats, because you're going to surround yourself with other people who have visions of opening their own restaurant and they're, they're getting trained alongside of you. So you're developing the same habits, the same beliefs, the same business philosophies. Um, so find those people that are like-minded, find those people that are excellent in their own lanes, uh, that are opposite of your lane. So I mentioned earlier, find your lane. If your thing is back of house and you're a rock star in the kitchen, don't partner with another chef, you know, find somebody who's a front of house rock star or who's great with the numbers and likes the boring work. Uh, try to round yourself off of the people you surround yourself with. And, uh, coming back to partnerships, uh, you all have to be on the same page. So on day one, before you ever start doing anything, like what's the vision, write things down. Where are you going? You have to have the same vision to pull in the same direction. And you all have to have this, the same reason for being there. What's the change you want to see in the world? Like take the time to, to mind map these things out, to brainstorm and to communicate and to get your values out into to, to align with these people you're going into business with. Because if you're not aligned with your partners, then you can't get the rest of the team aligned. And if everybody's pulling in different directions, then you're not going to go anywhere. So, I mean, I think that's been one of the biggest lessons I've learned is, you know, stay in your lane become the best at what you do. Surround yourself with the people that are the best at what they do. Get on the same page, 
And I think that's a good summary of what I just said. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was awesome. That's, that's a lot, but very, like you said, very summarized. And I think that uh, it makes a lot of sense. It makes, yeah. Um, do you consider yourself a mentor now? Um, it's weird. I don't. Um, but many people have told me I should. And I think it's, it's more of like a mindset for me. Uh, I believe that to be successful in this industry, you need to be a student first. And uh, it, it's when you think that you know everything and that you are the mentor and that you, you have nothing else to learn that I think you really start to suffer. So if you have that mentality of that, that student first mentality and you consider yourself a student, you're always learning, you're always evolving. And I think it's important to learn from the students sometimes too. Um, look at right now, like if you got into the restaurant industry in like the eighties and you're in your sixties now and you're still a successful restaurateur, the world has changed so much. Like what can you learn from the 18 year olds and the, the young adults that you're hiring? Like they have different perspective. They, they, are much more intuitive with certain things. You can learn a lot from them. So um, do I consider myself a mentor now? No, I, I consider myself a bridge to the mentors, uh, a medium to help people can, you know, getting into the industry, connect with those who have done it, who want to share their knowledge. I think I'm a, I'm a, what's the word? A connector, if anything. Um, but okay. I, I have learned a few things and I could probably, you know, maybe start, uh, maybe I should start sharing more of my, my lessons, but who knows? Well, you certainly, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, even people who just listen to your podcast have uh, a good wealth of knowledge starting to kind of sprout in their heads. So I imagine you have that as well, um, which is great. And you can share a lot. So do you have any advice of some of people who are anybody who's trying to start or grow their own business or passion project while working in the industry or while working a full-time job rather? Like how, how can somebody... And I don't know if you have personal experience in this. So you're, if you're working a full-time job while also starting to try to start, you know, your podcast or another kind of business, um, do you have any advice for going about that? Get the idea that you'll start someday out of your head. Start now. You just got to start. The time will never be right. And I think that's something that we hear all the time in entrepreneurial podcasts or whatever. But it's so true. The, the biggest hurdle is just starting. And if you can't start where you want to start, then just start where you can't. Like, you know, the, the, the conditions are never going to be perfect. Um, so using the restaurant industry as an example, if you've been working in the industry for five to 10 years and you, you know, you have your own aspirations to open your own place, like what can you do today to start? Um, maybe that is going to work for somebody who's doing the closest thing to what you want to do to learn the operations and how to see what that looks like behind the scenes. But just that, that's kind of ties back to like take jobs intentionally. Don't just take jobs for a paycheck, take, take jobs for what you're going to learn. And if you know where you want to be, if you have your own personal vision for five, 10 years, 15 years out, then you can start living intentionally today to, you know, to get to where you're going. Um, and then once you, you know, start putting money away um, and say, if you're going to do like a, if you want to open a pizza place, you know, you might not be able to get a brick and mortar location tomorrow, but maybe you can start putting money away to get an oven, like a mobile oven. And maybe you can start working at, you know, start, start uh, showing up at uh, farmers markets or doing catering. Just just start wherever you can um, and have goals and know that it doesn't happen overnight. Be patient and, and persistent. And patience and persistence uh, is a very powerful. Uh, just keep showing up with a little bit more progress today than you had yesterday. Wow, that's awesome. Definitely. I think a lot of people are just too, um, you know, and, and I, I can be – guilty of this too sometimes just kind of too gung-ho about getting 
everything out there right away and to get it perfect right away. But yeah, I mean, I can use myself as an example. Um, when I decided to, to focus on the podcast, I was working two jobs. Uh, I was working at a pizza place. I was you know, valeting. Um, and I think, I, you know, maybe even three jobs at times. Uh, and it, for the first two and a half years, at least I was uh, full-time multiple jobs and then podcasting on the side. And it was long. It was 70, 80 hours a week. Um, it was tough. Uh, but over time, as you start to scale your side hustle, you can slowly start to shed the, the third job. And then after another six or eight months, you can shed the second job. And then you still have your full-time job, but you don't have to worry about the part-time jobs until eventually you can go part-time at your full-time job and go full-time on your side hustle. It's a sliding scale. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen overnight, but you just, you know, you, you keep showing up. I think at one point I was Ubering um, and, and that was like my side hustle after I had went full-time on the podcast, but I would literally have all of my audio stuff like in the car. I was editing in between trips. Then you just find ways to make it work. You know, if there's a will, there's a way. Uh, tap into that creative mind. Uh, ask yourself how. I think is a really powerful thing. A lot of people – when they're trying to accomplish something, they just say it's not possible. There's no way I can do that. And their mind shuts off. But if you ask yourself, how can I do this? You, you turn on that creative process, that, that frontal lobe kicks into hyper gear and you just figure things out. Things just start to happen. That's awesome. Um, I kind of wanted to backpedal just a little bit and ask you a little bit about your previous pilot life. If that's okay. Yeah, go for it. So what made you decide to want to learn how to be a pilot or go that route? When I was young, I always had this dream of just being a wild, free man, uh, free spirit. I uh, loved the idea of being able to control a big airplane. You know, I was young and dumb, honestly. I didn't know who I was. You don't really figure out your strengths and your weaknesses until after you've gone through a few challenges in life. So uh, when, when I was young, I just I was drawn to the, the lifestyle of a pilot. Uh, every pilot that I knew was a fun, happy guy, nice home, nice car, beautiful wife. Uh, I figured that looks good. And, um, again, the, the idea of being able to travel in that freedom of flight at a young age, I just felt like there was nothing cooler. Uh, mm-hmm. but then the reality of the industry kind of kicked in when I went to college and started learning that it's really not that free, that there's a bunch of rules and regulations, uh, that, you know, uh, you know, not to mention I'm, I'm colorblind, I'm dyslexic. I have horrible ADD. Um, I really had no business being in an airplane. It, it was what it comes down to. <laughs> uh, it wasn't right for me, but, um, Picking a path that wasn't right for me revealed, honestly, it revealed so many of my weaknesses, but it's in revealing your weaknesses that you discover your strengths. So I really have no regret uh, leaning my ladder against that wrong, you know, the, the wrong building and climbing it as high as I did. I, I mean, I ended up working to the point where I was a, a first officer at a regional airline. Um, so, you know, wow. I was wearing the suit, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I had the, I was going to the, the you know, I was smiling at the people boarding the plane, like that whole deal. I made it that far. And then I really just kind of reached the point where um, I, I just wasn't happy with what I was doing. And I it wasn't rewarding to lean into my strengths or to my weaknesses every day. But I discovered uh, through making it as far as I did that one of the reasons why I made it as far as I did is because people really liked me and they wanted to see me become successful because I was a hard worker. And I just developed all these strong relationships that I kind of even though like I wasn't the best pilot, like I was a good stick, but I'm not a fast thinker and I would do little things like enter numbers and backwards, but people would help me out. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird to talk about today, but I was able to become a first officer at a regional airline 
with dyslexia, colorblindness, and all these other things that would have stopped anybody else. And I, I challenge you to find another commercial pilot out there who's <laughs> dyslexic, colorblind, and has all these other things they're dealing with. It's it's a testament it's a testament to my work ethic, wow, and my yeah. character that I made it that far. And um, I you know it's just one of those things that you know you, you expose your weaknesses. Um, if you expose your weaknesses, you also expose your strengths, and I wouldn't regret it. And I don't know if I answered your question. But no, definitely. Why did I get into aviation? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, no, it it answered it. Definitely. That's pretty inspiring. Um, I would definitely consider that a, even if you didn't go through with it or follow through with it, sounds like a success to me in my book. Word. Um, Do you have any, did you carry over any of those lessons to your current work or future work? Yeah. So um, I think I learned a lot about good communication, closed loop communication, repeating things back. Um, a lot of standard operating procedures, checklists are things that are, make uh, restaurants super successful that are standard in, in an airplane. So again, some of the things that are standard in an airplane, uh, like I mentioned, uh, those those closed loop communications, if you say something, the other person has to repeat it back, which is a good skill to have in a restaurant or a kitchen. Uh, the standard operating procedures, SOPs, so having those standard operating procedures in your business are so important. It reduces the level of energy uh, of having to like teach people how to do everything when you, you can create system dependent operations, not people dependent operations. And then I think the last thing I learned um, was the power of checklists, uh, just having a checklist for everything. So nothing gets missed and you can replace yourself with these standard operating procedures and these checklists um, to create consistency, which is probably one of the biggest lessons I learned. And then, um, we learned a lot about human variables, human factors that can be applied wherever you find people. <laughs> so that was valuable. Um, the, just the importance of taking care of yourself and getting the rest that, which, um, we talked about in the pre-interview chat and all that, but, um, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, speaking about, you know, taking care of yourself, what, what is something that you think restaurant industry people need more of to be healthy, mentally stable and, or successful in this industry? What are the names? That's a loaded question. Yes, it is. Um, I, think, I think we need, uh, you know, a lot of people say that it's, it's a matter of work-life balance, making time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I go back and forth in that. I believe that if you're doing exactly what it is that you love to do, then there is no such thing as work-life balance that, you know, there's your, your life's work. And if you're in the right lane, then you don't mind showing up every day. It's what you love to do. But the reality of the matter is that there's so many, there's so few people that live like that, that are that passionate about something um, that, you know, you, you have to find that balance. You have to have hard limits. And I, I know that there's one restaurant I spoke to in, in Pittsburgh who minimum or like a limit maximum, you can only work 50 hours a week. And at 50 hours, if you hit that 50 hour mark, like you're getting kicked out no matter who you are, oh, the wow. executive chef, the sous chef. And what they've found is that when you are given a, limited time to get something done, you are far more productive. Uh, so if we give ourselves those hard breaks uh, or those limits, then we find for some miraculous reason, we end up accomplishing what we set out to do because we are just far more intentional and we are far more productive in the time that we are allotted. There's a name for it. I don't, I don't think it's Pareto's principle or maybe it's the little tomato thing. Um, <laughs> I don't, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't There's know like about the tomato, tomato thing, but I've definitely timer. heard I've definitely heard of it before, and it's definitely true. I mean, if I don't tell myself I'm going to do something like clean my room in half an hour or something, then it's never getting done. I mean, that's just- yeah. So 
so I guess, I mean, you know, making more time for yourself to make time for other relationships, uh, for self care, for, you know, whether that's going for a run after a shift, uh, or meditating in the morning, like whatever you, you need to block off time for yourself, which is something that I don't think we do really well in this industry. Agreed. It can definitely be very cutthroat and that's when it's even most important to, um, to take care of yourself and to make sure you're, you're setting yourself up for good things for yourself and as well f- and making good relationships and you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it's, uh, right. it's that, that tomato thing that I was talking about is called a uh, Pomodoro effect. Oh, believe, which is basically, I just looked it up. It was bothering. Pomodoro. Effect. <laughs> yeah, look it up. The Pomodoro effect. <laughs> All right. Good to know. All right. I do have one uh, final question for you actually. And um, it's going to be like a one word answer. And then after that, you can expand. But in a word, what keeps you sane in this brutal industry? That Knowing that it's my choice. Um, I think in life, we have a tendency to always look at the other side. The, you know, the, it's always green. The grass is always greener on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the grass is greener where you water it. And, you know, there's a lot of benefits that we get in this industry. Um, you know, we get to be in our feet all day. We get to socialize with them, you know, make people happy. We get to, I think we get to be ourselves, which is one thing that is super unique to this industry is we don't have to put on that like corporate face. We don't have to have that, mm-hmm. that, um, uh, I mean, we have to be professional. We have to respect people, but we are celebrate we are celebrated for being individuals in this industry. And, um, I think I forgot the original question. What was the original <laughs> question? I'll come full circle. In a word, what keeps you sane in this brutal industry? Right. So knowing that you have the choice, knowing that it was my choice to, to pursue this industry and that we could always be sitting at a desk, you know, we could always be doing, we could always be living somebody else's dream. Uh, and we get to live our own, we get to do what we want to do and that you, you chose this. And I think once you re- remember that, you know, you chose this and you focus on the good, not the bad, the benefits, not the, you know, the, the, the cons, um, then it just changes perspective. You know, everything's about perspective. So get that perspective, stay open-minded and choose to be happy. Absolutely. I love that. Um, and definitely I love, I I love the quote that you said, uh, the grass is always greener where you water it. That resonates so well with me. That's true. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me on this interview and for, um, you know, inspiring all of us through your podcast and, and beyond. It's my pleasure, and I'm super excited for you. Good luck with the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hospitality Brutality. Once again, that was Eric Cacciatore of Restaurant Unstoppable. Please, please go to his podcast, Restaurant Unstoppable, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, It's full, chock full of just the most inspiring interviews on restaurant tours and restaurant industry professionals that you could possibly listen to. Uh, Please check him out. Check him out on Instagram as well. And stick around for the next episode.